Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. I'm Missy, and I'm with Gwen again today. Gwen, what a week. Hi, Missy. How are you? I'm I, I'm good, and I hope that you're good, too. I hope it's been a good week for you. I think uh, I've asked you every day how you're doing. Yeah, <sighs> and every day it's good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> huh. And even when it's bad, it's good, as we Talk talked about, about yesterday, patterns. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in your faithfulness, Lord, you've afflicted me. But mm-hmm. um, I'm good because I know what my foundation is and where I stand, and mm. that is so Amen. important. So important. If you don't know the Word of God, you are going to struggle worse. (laughs) We're all struggling. We're all going to struggle. But you will struggle worse if you don't have the foundation of you. It'll be like shifting sand beneath your feet. So it is one of the reasons why we, I'm going to say harp, on getting into God's Word, but one of the reasons why we feel it's so important, one of the reasons why we're so passionate about the Word of God is because as Psalm 119 says, if it's your delight, then you you will you will know what it says. You can find your joy in the Word of God. You yeah. can find um, your strength, your foundation. You can find help. Um, it's it's everything you need for living right there. My comfort in suffering is this: your promises preserve my life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I let's let's just go to a passage of scripture, not necessarily connected, but. Um, let's just dig in because I always love to do that when I'm on the radio. And, okay. And yeah, and I've been sitting in Hebrews with a precept study and God has just kind of been shaking my world a little bit with some of the good stuff I've found in there. Oh, but, how fun. Um, so let's go to Hebrews chapter one. But to set this up a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about God's voice throughout scripture. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, in the beginning in Genesis, we see God's voice. And we see God's voice literally speak and create something out of nothing. Um, he says light and there's light. Wow. You know, and so we see the power of God's voice right back at, even in the beginning of Genesis. Um, and then we see God speak into the lives of mankind over and over and over. Um, you know, you've got Adam and Eve in the garden where God goes and walks in the cool of the day talking with them. Um, you know, you've got... Um, God speaking to um, Noah and telling him the plans to build the ark as the source of salvation for, you know, his family. Um, You have the burning bush where God literally speaks through the bush um, and you see... Uh, Moses turn aside to go answer. You see God speak out of the blue to Abraham and say, get up and go to this place that I will show you. And so you you see God speak into the lives of all of these men um, throughout time. And then, um, then you see him speak through the prophets. Um, you know, Jeremiah, we've talked about Jeremiah all week, um, how God would use him as kind of his, his speaker, his voice, um, to tell the people things maybe that they didn't even like to hear or didn't want to hear. Um, and then all of a sudden what we have at the end of the old Testament is we have silence. God goes completely silent. Hmm. Like you want to talk about dramatic pause. Okay. And I want to read the first 
couple verses of Hebrews in light of how God spoke before, the pause, and then the entrance of God's Son, mm. Jesus. Okay? Because this just, these couple of verses just fully just bring this to life. Okay? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he had, um, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So we see Jesus at creation, and we also see him coming as um, the Son, who is the heir of all things. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. Okay, so what hit me with this Missy, was that God spoke all the way through time, gave this big dramatic pause, and then sends in physical form mm. an exact representation of himself mm. Love it. so that we can't miss him. So that we can't misunderstand him, you know, and then if you, you read in like John, um, especially like chapter 15, where he's talking about, I and the father are one, what you have heard of me, he said, you know, our words are the same, (laughs) you know, over and over, you see Jesus just saying, everything I say, I've heard directly from the father Mm. for the father and I are one. We flow, we are connected. This was just beautiful to me. So get a picture of this, okay? God creates everything that exists. He creates mankind. He speaks into the lives of man all the way down through time. We get to the end of like the prophets, and then he goes silent. Mm. And then he sends an exact representation of himself so that mankind can see and hear in physical form God, did that not just blow you away? I, the the drama the of that moment, yeah. That God goes to to show us who He is, so that we can know Him. Hmm. You know, now if I look at my walk with God with that much assurance that God wants me to know Him, that He went to those kind of lengths, then seeking Him is kind of a no brainer. Yeah, you know, my mind immediately went to the first verses in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I mean, just that introductory paragraph into the Gospel of John, and then looking at these first verses of Hebrews and thinking about that dramatic pause in history. Like we don't really get it because we have the whole word of God before us. But in those moments, in that time frame, in that period, the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and the people had thought God had forsaken them. Yeah. I mean, they, we're talking 400 years yeah. of silence. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there is the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, yeah. prepare you the way he's coming. You know, it just, it's, you want to talk about God using the pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> there we go. You know, that. Do I have your attention. You want okay. to know where the pause for dramatic effect came from? Right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right here. 
But, you know, like, not only did he just come, but keep reading in in verse 3. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Mm. Like, I, like, the one thing I saw here is literally we have Jesus with God at creation, then you have sin ravishing effect that just destroys our connection, our ability to connect with God. But God bridges that gap to speak into the lives of men. Okay, does the dramatic pause, sends his son who has the full, complete solution for the break in the relationship. Mm. He, he's got the payment for sin once for all. He sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he lives at the throne, ever making intercession for us. Like, it's not a one-time sacrifice. He is a living advocate in front of God the Father, mm. making sacrifice between us and Satan. Like, literally presenting his sacrifice as the perfect, it is the perfect sacrifice. Mm. And I, I don't know if we can fully grasp that it, living in the age and culture that we do of what the perfect sacrifice really mm-hmm. means because we, we don't have an understanding really truly of what it meant to have to mm-hmm. sacrifice once a year, daily sacrifices, yeah. sin offerings, mm-hmm. atonement offer. I mean, on and on and on and on and the rules and the regulations and the, you know, all the things that had to be kept yeah. and then the sacrifices that had to be made uh, in repentance and to 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 cover those sins, yeah. we just can't quite grasp what this would mean to people who come are in that culture. Um, certainly, we understand that a sacrifice needs to be made and that He died for us and in our place. But I think it really helps us if we dig into the history of that and try to put ourselves, yeah. you know, in the shoes of the Old Testament uh, Israelites and what that looked like, and then the thought of of God not speaking that to them for 400 years and thinking yeah. that they had been deserted and then and then Jesus arrives on the scene. Yeah. And it's got to be so out of the blue for them. I know I know they're looking for the Messiah but they miss him. So yeah. so it's it's and whatever we can say about that. Like how could they miss it? Well, we've missed a few things too and we'll probably continue to miss a few <laughs> things that are right in front of our nose, but truth. But um but this is this is so yeah. fantastical almost, you know, and I, I love the drama that's here, and yet we miss the drama if we don't look into the history of it. You know, the this book, the book of Hebrews, is obviously a letter. They think it might have been a sermon to the Hebrews as well. They're not really sure who wrote it, um, but it definitely hearkens to um, Paul or Barnabas or, mm-hmm. you know, something along those lines because it talks about Tim- Timothy joining on the journey at one point and stuff, stuff like that too. So they're just not real sure who authored it. But um, the the interesting thing with this is, like, this was written to Hebrew people who had started to follow Christ. You remember Peter preaching mm-hmm. in Acts and 3,000 joining yeah. the church just that day and then more being added to the number daily. Um, well, that church literally was Jewish and they, they were Jewish and they come out of the Jewish traditions of sacrifices and all of those kinds of things into 
Christ and following. And it was initially called the way. So they were following the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. And then all of a sudden what happened is the Jews in town started persecuting these Christians, these new followers of Christ, because they were leaving the Christian, you know, they were kicking them out of the temple, out of the, you know, out of the synagogues, wherever they found them, they were kicking them out because they were talking about Jesus and they were going back through old scriptures and, you know, and, and showing truth. I mean, even today, I think I've heard that if you talk to a devout Jew, there are some passages in Isaiah they don't want to open up to, you know, the ones that talk about the suffering and by your stripes, you are healed. And, and some of those passages, they have a really hard time with. Um, And they don't like those passages. And so, you know, there's just some interesting things because I think it was those passages they would go back and they would show Christ in Mm. and other places too. But, um, you know, these Jews had followed Christ and they were starting to get their land repossessed. They were starting to experience hardships, but they hadn't yet resisted to the point of death. Mm. Um, But it was coming. It was coming. Yeah. And so... What the heart of the writer was to encourage them that, look, Christ is, he's better than the angels. He's the better sacrifice. He's the better high priest. He is, you don't want to leave him. You want to stay faithful, stay true. Chapter four, verse 12, um, very familiar one that we read a lot, but I'm going to stick it in its context for the rest of the verse because I'm loving how these verses flow together. Um, So verse 12 of chapter 4 is, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Um, And then verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm. I love that these verses are connected with the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Mm. I don't know why I'd never connected them before this study. Yeah. But that... That is just beautiful to me because you have, I mean, the thing I wrote at the top, no hiding, no hiding. I, I just, I, I could see that, you know, God's word divides what's really going on to the division of soul and spirit, both joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So God can see past every front I put up, everything he can see down to the the guts mm. of what's going on underneath. And then verse 13 says exactly the same thing. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Mm. Wow. And, you know, the exciting thing is God knows everything about us, and we can still come boldly to the throne mm-hmm. of grace. Uh, because to, we yes. have so great high priest. Yes. We have an intercessor. Mm-hmm. We have someone who can speak for us. But, but the ability to come as we are 
That's amazing. And that harkens back to Romans 8, 1. There's no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because, because the penalty have, has been paid. We Sacrifice have a high priest yep. who's been the sacrifice. And Christ is the better sacrifice. He's the one that once for all, having paid for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow. I wonder if we, we probably don't think about him being the sacrifice and how important that was. And yet the Jews of this day totally would understand one sacrifice. Yeah. And then never having to do it again, never having to do it again. Um, that, that, that's mind blowing for them. Um, and again, we find in these verses, let us hold fast to the confession of our faith. We are encouraged once again, as we've talked about through the course of a week, those places in scripture that have said, hold fast, yes, hang on to it, don't let go. Uh, the thing that I love about that is, you know, I, I, may, I may have a weak grip, but God has a greater grip on me than I have on him. And so even then, you know, I still have choices to make, but, but he holds on to me and I love that. And, you know, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet was without sin. Yeah. You know, and because he was out sin, without sin, he could die for our sin. And there's a that verse that says um, that he who knew no sin mm-hmm. became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. You know, so that's the big exchange. Yeah. You know, I will often, when I'm talking through the gospel with somebody, I will hand them a pen and I'll have a pen and I'll say, okay, that's your sin. And this is Christ's righteousness. And literally what he does on the cross when he becomes the sacrifice is he literally becomes your sin so that you can have his righteousness. And when Christ looks at you, you are seated in Christ in the center of his righteousness. He sees you in a robe of righteousness so that he doesn't even see your sin anymore. He sees you positionally justified fully, Fully righteous before him. All sin is paid and accounted for. Done. The account has been closed, satisfied, perfectly paid. I And, and it's an account that can bear you making further <laughs> <laughs> things Mistakes. on it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what's so amazing to me is that, you know, when, when he looks at me, he sees fully redeemed, fully paid all my sin because Christ stands at his right hand, sits at his right hand in heaven and constantly says, paid for that, paid for that, paid for that to every single thing that Satan brings forward Mm. on me. Everything that Satan tries to to fling in front of him. Jesus's response is paid for that. He may not be, he probably definitely is not happy that he has to say (laughs) paid for that. (laughs) He might be shaking his head. Uh, that he paid for that and we're still, you know, not following in his footsteps. But scripture says we definitely grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so we do. We do. Yeah, we do. And we can. And yeah. so just because it's paid for does not give us license to sin. Which is what in Paul talks about in Romans. So yep. we're not saying any of those things, but we no. are saying it is an amazing truth that we are positionally positionally righteous we have his righteousness which that is incredible to me and and if we're living out of that then we do verse 18 or verse 16 
And verse 16 makes sense. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we remember that we may receive mercy and find grace mm. to help t- in time of need. Well, and I, I learned it in the old King James, let us therefore come boldly to okay. the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. And I, I always picture, um, I always picture myself as a little kid, you know, my father sits on the throne, he's the king, and I just bust open the door and say, hey, dad. I mean, I don't mean that in an irreverent way. I just mean that we have that ability to bust into the throne room and say, oh, I messed up. Can you help dad? I need you, you know, or I'm so sorry. I have something to tell you or, or I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me with this? And, and God welcomes us there because of his son who stands at his right hand saying, yeah, that's your kid right there. I want to give the the listeners a, a movie moment that they can go watch of this. It's in Anna and the King. Um, and that's the, the old King and I has been redone. So it's the, got it. You got to get the new one. Okay. But there's a scene where there's a commotion that happens at the school and the king's little sweetheart, his favorite of all of the kids, is this little girl. And she goes and she immediately runs from the school and you trace her all the way through the palace. And she pushes open the big doors into the throne room and everybody's on their face and you can tell that there's an emissary from another, an ambassador or something from another kingdom or somewhere, and he's presenting something officially. So it's this royal ceremony. Okay, and this little girl runs straight through center aisle all of these people on their face and and people are watching her go and they're like oh (laughs) you know because of the awe of the moment she runs right past the guy presenting okay right up to the throne literally grabs the sleeve of her dad the king tugs on it a little bit he leans down immediately with a smile on his face, she whispers in his ear, grabs his hand, and leads him out. <laughs> and everybody in the throne room is just left going, what now? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and it's just this beautiful picture of this little girl that knows yeah. she can approach the throne of grace boldly. Yeah. Because she's a daughter of the king. Yep. You know, and that, like, that little picture I've tried to use to change how I approach my father. Mm, that's great. You know, to think of it when I pray that I'm that little girl and I have full right to be in there. Yeah. Because I'm a daughter of the king. Yeah. I love that picture. Anyway, there you go. It's a movie moment. You have to check it out. (laughs) You have the king's ear uh, because of Christ, because of what Mm -hmm. he's done for us. And that is an amazing thing. I think uh, it's a comforting thing. It's also something that I think is encouraging in our growth and our relationship with him to help us to become more bold, to run to him more swiftly, to turn to him more often, to ask his help, to, to trust that that help is there and his grace and mercy and help is there for us in our time of need. We do need to ask for it because he's not going to, you know, He's not going to bust into us and say, you will do this. We have the wonderful gift of free choice and, and free will. So mm-hmm. we have to make that choice. But it's an easy choice when you think of what he's done for us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
you know, Missy, I think I'm I'm going to close. We we will have half of Hebrews left, but um, <laughs> verse seven or chapter seven, verse twenty five is kind of what I've alluded to before. And Christ lives in front of the throne. Um, it says, therefore, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Um, And just this idea that God lives, like Christ lives at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us constantly. You know, that's what the high priest did is he made intercession. Um, And so we have a great high priest who constantly makes intercession for us. Um, And... You know, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing to just stop and think and hold on to for the week hmm. and the weekend. Um, Missy, I, I think I just want to challenge our listeners to to remember that, one, we can access the throne of grace boldly because we are. If we truly have become followers of Christ and we've, we've truly joined and given him lordship of our life, we have confidence to know that we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We know it's ours. It is our right as a son and daughter of the Most High God. We have been adopted. We are sons and daughters of the King. We are no longer aliens. Sorry, we're no longer enemies of God or vessels of wrath. We are now children that belong to him um, and that we have full access to everything. We have all of the riches um, of heaven. We have everything we need for life and godliness. Mm. Um, And so to live this life, we've been given everything that we need. Um, And so in Christ, all of these things are ours through his death and sacrifice on the cross and rising to life again. It's in him and in his resurrection that we have hope that heaven's ours. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to open the word podcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.